You're listening to episode number 23 of Strike the Match. In this episode, my guest is Patrick Johnstone. Patrick has provided leadership in evangelical circles for many years. In this episode, we discuss the history of Operation World, his latest books, challenges facing gospel advancement, and changes that evangelicals are expected to face in the next decade. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. If you guys uh, have been around the world of missions, uh, one of the most uh, significant works, one of the most significant books that uh, has been around since, uh, well, since going back to 1965 is a book called Operation World. And uh, you have uh, had your hands on that very important resource for, for many years, and, and, and several editions of that have come out, and it's been incredibly influential in uh, seeing the gospel spread among the nations. Uh, the name on the cover of that book, many of you are well aware of, is Patrick Johnstone, uh, a brother who has been significantly involved in evangelical circles on a global scale for many years, uh, not only engaged in Operation World, but also with Joshua Project and uh, with the Lausanne uh, Strategy Working Group and with GMI and, and, and a multitude of other things. Uh, Patrick is, is one of the individuals over the years who has been a missiologist keeping up with trends and global issues and gospel needs all across the world. And so it is a wonderful blessing and a great honor to be able to have this conversation with Patrick Johnstone today. And so, so Patrick, I want to just welcome you to Strike the Match. Thank you. And so we're we're talking today. You are in uh, you're in the UK, right? I am having just recently returned from a pretty extensive preaching tour. Yes, in northeast India. And and how did that go? Did that go well? It went extraordinarily well. Very rugged terrain, difficult travel, uh, arduous conditions, but a wonderful group of churches in that part of the world. Probably one of the highest concentration of evangelicals of any part of the world. Wow. And it's in the midst of some of the least evangelized peoples on earth. And, and can, you, uh, can you give us just a, just a second or two, uh, just, you know, what, what did you see the Spirit doing while you were over there? What, what's taking place right now? Many of the, especially the Baptist churches there, are getting increasingly concerned that they do a better job at sending out missionaries to obey the Great Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, many of the churches have been sending out missionaries and have been frustrated with the uh, lack of results in some cases, because in India they are often regarded as uh, the lowest of the low, because right. they are labeled tribal. Mm-hmm. So they do find real frustrations in working in India, but I'd love to see more of them go into other countries. They've had good education and they're well pre- prepared theologically. And they've had revivals, and so there's great possibility. That is so exciting to to hear of them catching that vision to to cross cultural gaps and even geogra- geographical gaps uh, as well. So I, I appreciate you just sharing that with us. I know it, it was a, a busy time for you. Um, I, I want to ask you just a couple of questions. I, I, I want to get into talking about uh, obviously your your book, future the future of the global church, and pray for the world, but but. Again, many of our, our listeners today, uh, both in the States and the U.K. and other countries, they're, they're probably very familiar with you and your connection with Operation World. 
Now, am I correct that Operation World, when it came out in 1965, it was only 30 pages in length? Uh, 1962. 1965. Sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I must correct that. It's 1964. Okay, 64. Sorry it, about that. Uh, the fir- it was a very, very first um, Gestetner edition. And, it, and just a few pages in length. Yes. And, and 30 now, pages. And now today it is it is a it is a massive uh, massive work. That is it's yes. amazing. It's now unfortunately a thousand pages too long. <laughs> well, and when I when I handed over to Jason, I said, "Do try and keep it to eight hundred pages or less." <laughs> he was not able to. Well, I know that book has been very influential on me and and very helpful and and influential and helpful on many others. I know I know even with with, with our church, uh, uh, one of the pastors with the church at Brook Hills in, in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, we have recommended and used that that book for many years. And it's been just an incredible, uh, eye-opening tool for many of our people as they have not only prayed for the nations, but the Lord's used that to call out others from our church to go to the world. So, so thank you so much for that and all that you've done there. And I guess that, that that's kind of a good segue into this book, Pray for the World. Um, it It's a book that uh, came out just uh, this year, in 2015, through uh, InterVarsity Press. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what Pray for the World is about? Well, the edition of Operation World that came out in 2010 was too long for translation into other languages, one uh, item. The other was that it was too difficult to carry around anymore. And so uh, Molly Wall, uh, who leads the team at the moment, they uh, put together an abbreviated, a paraphrased, shortened version of Operation World, not changing the data, right? Uh, except updating where essential. And so basically it's a pruned down version of Operation World. And this will then be translated into about seven other languages. That's, that is wonderful. And, and for those of you that are, that are listening, if, if you're not familiar with, uh, with Pray for the World, I, I want you to get online and check it out and, and order a copy of it. It is it is just an excellent, excellent guide. If you if you if you loved Operation World, you, you will love Pray for the World uh, as as well. Um, Patrick, you you also uh, a, a few years back, I think it was back in uh, 2011, uh, you wrote this book uh, called "The Future of the Global Church." Uh, why did you write that book? For years, I had been gathering information uh, to help people pray for the world. So very much. Yeah. in mind was the present situation. But to back the prayer items, we built up unique databases that cover the denominations of the world, the religions, and so on, that are totally unique. And from this, we were able to therefore work out the percentage of evangelicals in every country of the world, and mm-hmm. so on. We have these remarkable databases, which span 50 years. And we wanted, I wanted to really portray what, these, what this data tells us about the future. Mm-hmm. Because basically global trends don't change radically over a few years. Right. Unless there's an outpouring of the Spirit of God in a very special way. Yeah. And so I wanted to look ahead 40 years to project what present trends might indicate we have to face in ministry in coming years and put all that data to good use. And th- this book is, it's not only well-organized, but it is visually appealing. 
And was, I'm sorry, go yes, ahead. That was the idea. I wanted it to be visually, visually appealing. But there was another reason for that, because over the years I've had quite a public ministry. And as part of my vision of always handing over ministry, the, the, the apostolic succession idea, mm-hmm. um, I wanted to give my public ministry that others could use it. And so I spent some time trying to understand the, the computer software to be able to make the maps and the diagrams. Mm-hmm. And that is what we did. I produced all those diagrams. Wow. And tried to compress it. I, I set the goal of only two, five, six pages. Uh-huh. I succeeded. <laughs> well, I, t- I tell you, it, again, another very helpful, very valuable work. I, you know, I, ha- I have it here on my desk right now. And... And has helped me tremendously in, in, in not only my research and writing, but but in, in educating others about about what's taking place in in the world. Let, let's let's take a few moments maybe to talk about some of um, uh, those um, uh, those 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 issues. Maybe we'll take just you know chance maybe to talk about just a few of them. Um, what, what are what are some of the uh, the big big issues, the big trends that you see that are taking place right now uh, that's that's really shaping the, the face of the church? The first I would emphasize is the problem of the use of the word mission. It's unfortunately come to mean everything and nothing. Mm-hmm. And the focus on the Great Commission in taking the gospel to all the nations of the earth and seeing disciples in every people on earth is being lost. Mm-hmm. Many churches have parochialized and looked more locally and called that mission. Uh And so right across the Western world, I am concerned that the mission's vision is suffering severely. This is partly also culture. We've moved away from three or four gatherings in a week to one for Mm -hmm. many people. And the possibility of squeezing in a bit about the Great Commission in one service to uh, alert Christians is fairly difficult. Mm -hmm. So uh, so we... When you see that that this this issue this challenge is taking place to the to the spread of the gospel, is it is it that we have we've defined everything to be mission, whether it's preaching the gospel or whether it's uh, digging a well or painting a house? I mean, is that is that kind of what you're seeing and observing? Yes. What what do you think for pastors that are listening to this podcast right now? What what should be uh, what should be the thing that they're thinking about uh, how they should address this issue in their local church, if that's an issue that they're facing? Uh, I think that one of the challenges I saw some 20 years ago is that there's too narrow a view of what the Church of Jesus Christ is. And I wrote a book some 20 years ago, um, 25 years ago, called the church is bigger than you think. Mm-hmm. One of the components of that was that for mission to be achieved, there's a, uh, a trinity of structure in the church, the discipling, the gathering, and the sending. Mm-hmm. And each needs its own structure, as we see in the ministry of Jesus. But with the localization of missions and concentration on local churches, the whole apostolic team concept mm-hmm. is being lost. Yes, I, I yeah, I, I I think that we 
we have uh, we've neglected that aspect uh, of what the scriptures teach, uh, what the scriptures have to say. You know, one of the things that I know this is being very self-promoting. I wasn't planning on saying this, but but the, one of my next books that's coming out this year is actually called Apostolic Church Planting, and mm-hmm. and it's on that very topic. It's on the notion of we 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 look at things and this is a pastor speaking uh, we 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 mm. look at things through a pastoral lens so much mm. that the way we think about missions is very pastoral and the methods that mm-hmm. we use are very pastoral and we have we've moved away from sort of this apostolic notion that, that we see modeled through through the book of acts and Paul's work yes what what would be another challenge? What's another challenge that um, that you have that you're seeing right now uh, to the spread of the gospel, multiplication of churches and disciples? A dependence on method more than on God. And I could elaborate. I think uh, we saw a huge change taking place. For instance, when Donald McGavran first came out with the idea of church growth, mm-hmm. that. That became the fad of the time. It was great to have that emphasis, Mm -hmm. but then people began to scorn it and move on. And so over the years, I've seen a successive range of methods Mm -hmm. uh, pushed as the answer, and none of them are adequate in themselves. Yes, you know, I I know that particularly through the 80s and into the 90s, in in the States uh, especially, uh, there was this this sort of this methodological mania, this this uh, this pragmatism that was really unhealthy, and and we're still experiencing that today. I mean, we're yes. we're still you're right, we're we're elevating, uh, you know, a desire to seek after methods uh, than than the spirit and and his work. Yes, and I would say well, the modern one, which is great in many respects, is a, a church planting movement, a CPM, and. I think this goes back to a misunderstanding of the Great Commission. Because if we look at the phrase in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations, every phrase in that is badly translated into English. Um, The go is made as if it's the great word, and it's not, it's to disciple. Mm -hmm. But we don't have an an English word to disciple. Mm -hmm. So we have to add make disciple, a method. So even our perception of the Great Commission is a method, make disciples, when really it's a lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It's a way of living. And I think we need to get away from this idea that it's our clever methods or new techniques rather than prayer and dependence on God. Mm. So do you you see any signs across the globe... uh, of the church in general, the universal church, so to speak, that that there is there is that hunger for for holiness and righteousness for God for His empowering Spirit beyond the pragmatic, beyond the methods, beyond the desire to find out something that you know quote unquote works. I mean, are you seeing some encouraging signs in some parts of the world, but not not so much in the West. Mm-hmm. So, so this, and, so the, so you're seeing more encouraging yeah. things coming out of the majority world than the Western world. Yes, I would say that is generally the case. Uh-huh. I mean, if I take a few examples, um, we have a now, more and more Nigerian missionaries coming to Europe, and one of the positives about the Nigerians, they never take a, a barrier as as a as a hindrance. Mm-hmm. 
And they always believe that God will work out something for them. Mm -hmm. And God gives answers. They, they expect the gospel to work. But most Western people have got embarrassed about the gospel and mm. think they've got to dig a well or something like that to gain favor. Mm. And maybe that can help. But basically, we are not really promoting the gospel and having that faith in God that he will actually work mm. through our endeavors. Yeah, so, 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 you're, so, I, so for clarification, you're not saying that methods are bad, but they, they're just a, uh, they, they need to be appropriately governed by biblical guidelines, and, and we... And, uh, yes, and more, and more than that, I would say uh, when we come to church planting movements, praise God, there are certain parts of the world where we are seeing this happen. But it's often more because the Holy Spirit has prepared people mm -hmm, and right. is working. It's almost like revivals. Mm -hmm. we, uh, one of the negatives about Finney's uh, ministry in the States was that you can manufacture a revival if you keep the laws. Mm -hmm, right. um, when basically it's, it's a sovereign work of the Spirit of God. Mm -hmm. And where conditions are ripe and ready, a church planting movement takes off. But so many people, and even in our mission, we went through a phase where everything had to be a church planting movement team. Mm -hmm. But it brings such bondage on people if the time is not the Holy Spirit's time. That, that we cannot manufacture movement. Yes, yeah. exactly. So uh, maybe a third, third challenge, a third challenge you're seeing right now. So the issue of mission, well, the issue the, of method, and what else? Well, the third one I would mention is that of Islam. Mm -hmm. uh, I could mention the other religions. I've just been in a situation where Hinduism is very strong. Right. But basically, I think in the coming 40 years, the huge challenge is that of Islam. And many in the West are afraid to tackle this or speak much about it. But I believe the very rise of uh, extremist Islam is actually... Uh, doing a great damage to the cause of Islam and giving wonderful opportunities for the gospel. Mm -hmm. For instance, I've been working with one guy and we are just about to produce an article in the IBMR on the number of believers from a Muslim background. Mm -hmm. I put some figures into the future of the global church, but we've since expanded that. And I would reckon with sort of a few millions, up plus or minus, there are about 10 million people in the world today who once were Muslim and are now followers of Jesus. Mm, wow. And if we look back to 1960, I would reckon the number then would have been a few thousand. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing something dramatic happening in certain parts of the Muslim world that very few people know about especially amongst the Iranians, the Kurds, mm -hmm. and the Kabyle in North Africa. Yeah, in, yeah. Very, very very, encouraging, uh, yeah, very encouraging stories. Uh, in fact, uh, I did a podcast um, um, earlier uh, this uh, this year with uh, with David Garrison talking about his book, A Wind in the House of Islam, and, mm -hmm. and, and hearing those stories out of those places that you just mentioned it was incredibly, incredibly encouraging in, in mm -hmm. light of what we're hearing in the news about, about radical Islam. Yes. So let, let me kind of uh, ask you, uh, I mean, you've obviously seen um, 
a lot of a lot of changes, a lot of shifts in in evangelical circles uh, since going back, for example, to the beginning with Operation World back in the '60s. Uh, what what are what are some of the changes that you you anticipate maybe in the next ten years among among evangelicals on a global scale? Something maybe we haven't talked about already. One of the things I um, put forward in my book, The Church, Future of the Global Church, is the fact that across the world, um, in the last 300 years, there have been about six major awakenings. An awakening, I mean by that, where it's not just revival, but mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit works in, the, in amongst the general population, right. and many come to Christ. And the sixth one really began in the mid-60s. And so we've seen the biggest ingathering of people into the kingdom of God the world has ever seen Mm -hmm. over the last 40 years. Now that is tailing off. And there are several reasons for that. One is the loss of confidence of evangelicals in the West. The other is that there are fewer children being born. Mm -hmm. And one of the outcomes of that is that almost every megachurch in the States is going to face a major crisis in the next 15 years, because they've relied on um, population growth mm-hmm. as well as conversions. Right. But now there are very few conversions, and congregations are going to collapse mm-hmm. because of the few children. And most people who come to faith come in their teens or as children, mm-hmm. not as adults. And so, basically, we've seen this amazing turning to God, and things are going to tail off a bit over the coming 10 years. But what we could see if we pray and if we commit our resources adequately, we may see the great breakthroughs enlarge amongst the Muslims, the Hindus, and the Buddhists, mm-hmm. who are the great challenge for the future. So would you say that, in, especially in lo- for, for the Church in the West, and, and the majority of the, the people that are listening to this would, would be in the Western world, uh, uh, so are you saying that uh, the issue of, of the of, for example, the migration of unreached people groups that are holding to an Islamic, Buddhist, or Hindu worldview, that that we need to in the West even prioritize uh, to reach them. Yes, I think that is a valid point. But I would add that we've got to look at it as a team approach: the global church mm-hmm. reaching global diasporas and their homelands. Mm-hmm. So we need to be globalists. So, so we in the West really need to, to understand what it means to be partner and not practice paternalism. Exactly. Patrick, and, you, I'm sorry, go ahead. I didn't mean to yes, cut you off. And, and so, therefore, I see the future um, is multicultural teams with a kingdom culture and not a national culture. Mm, that's good. And we need that in homelands because the worst people often to evangelize minorities or immigrants are the majority people. Hmm. Patrick, are you working on any future uh, writing projects right now? Well, I'm working with GMI mm-hmm. on doing a, a series of expansions of several themes in the future of the global church. Mm-hmm. One was just produced a few weeks ago called Serving God in Today's Cities. Yes, actually, uh, I did a, a podcast uh, episode uh, with the author of, of that work uh, several oh. several weeks back. Sure oh, good. Yeah. With Dean, great. Uh-huh. With well, Dean. D- Dean and I are going to work on two others. Wonderful. And one is going to be on diasporas and freedom. 
and then another we're going to deal with uh, water resources and um, and a number of other aspects there that affect missions. Well, that that is fantastic. I, I'm I'm so encouraged to hear that you're you're still engaged in in the writing process. Uh, so please please keep it up. Thank you. I'm not doing much research now. I've handed all over over all my books and everything now. It's all part of the apostolic handover. Uh-huh. And uh, but I am. I am encouraging Dean as he moves ahead with this. But another two things I want to work on. I, I hope to do a, an autobiography or a story of Operation World. Oh, wow. It's been quite an exciting story. And then I also, um, down the line, I'm hoping to be able to write a missionary commentary on Revelation. That would be fantastic. That would be because really, really good. I, I know of pastors, uh, theologians, uh, seminarians who've written commentaries, but I don't know of anyone who's written it from the very for the very purpose that God gave it, mm. and that is His kingdom spreading across the world. Mm-hmm. And that's my uh, those are my aims. That is, that is fantastic. My my guest today on Strike the Match uh, has been been Patrick Johnstone. If you have not had a chance to get a copy of his uh, books, uh, The Future of the Global Church, Pray for the World, or, or obviously Operation World, by all means, I really want to encourage you, uh, as soon as this podcast ends, to, to, to get a copy of these resources. They're incredibly helpful. Uh, they, will, they will encourage you. They're, they're edifying. They will, they will challenge you in how to pray, and they will challenge you in giving and going, uh, and really will begin to help you think uh, missiologically about the world around you in, in uh, what God is calling you to do wherever you may be. Patrick, thank you so very much for being with us today and, and sharing with us. Thank you. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.B. Payne. You can find J.B. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.B. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jbpayne.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, and we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.